You're listening to Casting Class, an engineer's guide to manufacturing aluminum castings, hosted by Batesville Products. For over 75 years, Batesville Products has been engineering, casting, machining, inspecting, and polishing aluminum castings for over 70 industries nationwide. In today's episode, we'll continue to share our experience and industry secrets. Casting Class is in session. Um, you know, the first topic we thought was pertinent was uh, material choices. I know there's a lot of different um, you know, choices and specs out there. Um, you know, here at BPI, we only deal with um, A356, uh, zinc and zinc are the, you know, the two different alloys we do cast here. Um, but, you know, as always, the cost of each material um, you know, plays a big role in you know, how much each part's going to cost. Yeah. And also the weight of the material too, because it will, for example, aluminum is much lighter than zinc. So it's going to require less um, labor to use it. So when you start getting into heavier zinc parts, sometimes you're going to need two casters to pour a zinc um, part compared to an aluminum part of the same size may, may only require one caster at the time. So you had mentioned that uh, aluminum and zinc are both casted at Batesville products. Um, with those specific metals, are you seeing a specific product being used in one area versus the other? Um, in is there finish constraints? Or are there cost constraints? What, where do you guys typically see the, the different types of metals uh, from BPI being used? Yeah, so from my customer standpoint, uh, most of the time um, we're using zinc in, um, you know, we need to add weight. Um, a lot of, you know, medical cart bases, um, we're also seeing zinc added to where we need a high finish or a high polish, um, you know, sheen, shine on the parts. Um, and then the aluminum we're using for saving weight, obviously, with the parts and the, the cost, it's a little bit cheaper to, you know, use aluminum as well. Yeah. And it's great. Like everyone knows for electrical components too, as well. Um, and it's also food and uh, medical grade safe. So it really depends upon the application you're looking to use them in. Um, the second one design for manufacturing. This one is great. You know, what people need to look out for um, when they're designing parts. Um, what are the key factors to to look at? And it's it's an invaluable resource, I think. Yeah, I would agree, especially when you're getting into more complex castings and you're considering different wall thicknesses, how that will play a factor into the feed of the metal. And also just some things like sharp corners where if you're newer to casting, knowing that you need to add a radius to it understanding the parting line and the draft that's required from the parting line, taller the wall is, um, the less draft you're going to need. The shorter the wall is, the more draft you're going to need. Just those uh, kind of um, starter guides to getting the part ready to cast for permanent mold or even sand casting. If you don't have that draft added into, you know, the design, you get excessive tool wear, right? And then your tool, which is already a big investment up front, you might not get as many pores out of it and your parts might not come out as, um, you know, as you need them to be casted. Yeah, especially with the draft, if you're not adding enough, you're going to see drag along that wall that you don't have enough draft on and it's going to cause um, surface imperfections that 
aren't really great to the visible eye and you'll also get your part out of spec, which is never fun to get. So, yeah. And those are just quick checks too, right? I mean, I know the engineering team with a lot of the different companies know a lot of the places to start, but specifically for permanent molds, um, there's specs that they may not be aware of. So this is a great resource to to check out and have them at least start there with knowing what they need to do and what they need to put into the, the product. Yeah. Number three, uh, order quantity. This is always a huge um, question we get because different processes lend themselves to different order quantities, right? You know, in permanent molds, uh, we really, really do a good job in that moderate volume range. Um, you know, one, two is not necessarily going to you know, justify ordering tooling up front. And then on the high end, um, you know, because we are using the gravity fed process, um, going to hundreds of thousands castings is not necessarily our sweet spot either. So, um, yeah, it's kind of that moderate volume is what we're looking for. Yeah. Uh, moderate volume and a dense casting. So if you're looking for something that needs to be low porosity, um, a lot of times needs to be pressure tight type of casting. It's a great process to use. Yeah, and that porosity thing's huge, right? I know with other processes, you're not getting that dense of a casting. So surface finish becomes a huge factor as well. And then all the secondaries kind of lead off of that. So we feel that you know that moderate volume up to maybe 10,000 castings would be our sweet spot. Um, you know, most of our castings, I'd say, run in the mid thousands. Um, you know, it just depends on what the product is. But um, yeah, we're not going to get up into the high volume stuff. It's just not going to make sense um, for how long it would take us to manufacture those through our tilt pour process. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at a heavy part, you're looking at something that's plus 50 pounds, you would have probably a lower setup quantity, and but you would run it more frequently just due to the weight and also having more casters to help out with it versus something that's a little bit smaller where you, you have a faster time on it for production. So you could get a little bit higher quantities on it. Yeah, I think when you talk about your return on investment too, you're you're buying a a tool, right? So you're using something to make the parts. And if you go into some of the lower processes where the tooling's cheaper, you know, you end up getting more expensive parts. And then you go the opposite direction where you're putting in a ton of money into your tooling, you're getting, you know, a much cheaper part. So it's kind of like fitting into the middle of that range. And that's kind of the thing is, hey, we're going to be at a moderate tooling cost, but our piece price is probably going to be in that moderate range as well. So once you start getting up into the high range where you're ordering 100,000 parts, you want those piece prices to be a lot lower. And on the other end, where you're into sand casting or even an investment casting, where you're ordering a lower, lower quantity, you want the tooling to kind of offset that and also be lower as well. You know, you you mentioned weight, you mentioned size, you mentioned volume, you mentioned quantity, but really when it boils down to it, I think Jonathan, you made the comment, it's ROI, you know, what makes sense for those costs or or quantities, um, you know, for, for that specific product? Yeah, I mean, part and complexity and size, it all factors into it. Every single project we work on is custom, right? So it's not just something off the shelf. It's everything is factored into it. Um, You know, you're factoring in how complex the part is. Um, You know, we do semi-permanent mold here as well. Um, We can do slides, inserts, all different kinds of things to help you get as close as you can to a finished product through the casting process. But there's also a lot of other things that go into that. Um, definitely, uh, if you're looking at sand cores, 
one, you can cast in cavities. You can also add in um, with the sand core steel insert. So you're adding multiple elements into the casting, which is great. So you can create some pretty complex castings through a permanent mold. Yeah. And those sand cores really help to um, alleviate machining time, right? And machining time is kind of why we're doing the casting in the first place, right? I mean, I know we're, we're not able to cast every single or machine every single part, but you want to get as close as you can to the finished product. And, you know, the different things we add in really, really help that. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking at um, multi-cavity tools, you can get anywhere from four to six parts, depending upon the size out of that one tool. So if you're looking at volumes that are not quite die casting, but are larger in size than what's typical for a die caster, you can start getting um, multiple cavities in permanent mold to help, again, get that return on your investment and be able to get the quality um, that you're looking for in the casting. And especially in a process where if you are looking for something that's denser, um, less porosity, that's a great way to go. If you do invest a little bit more um, in tooling and add in multi-cavities, your piece price is going to go down, right? So that's going to really help alleviate um, you know, costs on per piece price versus running one small part because um, setup charges and, and run times and cycle times all, all affect uh, all the price of the casting. Secondary machining. Um, this is a really big portion of the cost. You know, the tolerancing, what's called out on the specs um, in our design guide. You know, there's different specs with ASCAS surface finishes versus what people are looking for tolerancing and machining. And you can add a lot. I know you had a project um, not too long ago where the added machining was just out of this world. So yeah, and um, that's a big thing you have to consider too when you're doing machining, especially when it's um, a larger casting. If you're starting to work on too tight tolerances, it could um, increase your spindle time. That could be a very expensive part to try to hold and maintain. Yeah, and you're also paying for fixturing too, right? I know there's a tool you event you buy to start, but there's also tools and fixturing for machining too. So if you have multiple machining ops, um, you know sometimes mm -hmm. there's a fixture for each operation too. So that obviously adds cost as well. But really, the functionality, you know, the strength of a casting. Uh, what what are some processes that could be used on these castings to help make them either stronger or even denser uh, than permanent mold provides. Yeah, I mean, too, right off the bat, obviously up on the screen are heat treating and impregnation. Um, you know, the heat treat process um, really adds a couple different um, benefits. One, um, obviously the strength of the casting and then um, machining, ease of machining. It really helps in also heat treating different products that have had semi-permanent mold sand cores. It, it bakes out the sand cores. It, it makes them easier to remove. And then from the impregnation standpoint, even though the porosity in permanent mold is lower, there's certain pressure tolerancing that sometimes we need to hit that might need to be, you know, add in impregnation to, to hit those numbers for PSI and stuff like that. Yeah, because no matter what casting process you use, you're always going to have outgassing. So that's why impregnation is another great opportunity to use in um, a casting to make it even more pressure tight if you need it. Inspection.
production, that is a huge portion that can drive cost into a part, depending upon whether you're looking to have specific certifications every time you receive your casting, even getting um, lab testing done on each part can add different costs to it. FAI and PPAP tend to be a little more upfront costs when you first launch a part. And then throughout the course of the life, you can do pressure testing. Um, There's even liquid penetration done to the parts to see imperfections in it. Those are different types of testing and inspection you can do. Yeah, there's different requirements and different levels of PPAP that certain companies need. And that does add a lot of cost. Um, you know, even pressure testing, you know, cycle times and depending on what kind of pressure test is needed for which department, um, 10, 15 minutes, depending on the test that's needed. Surface finish obviously can make a casting look great, especially if it's not a hidden part. It's something that's going to be seen. So you can do anything from powder coating, anodizing. You can even get a mirror finish polish on it and chromate afterwards because it's something that is seen by, um, is visible to the eye. So you want it to look great. If you're looking at something that is going to be in an assembly where it's going to be covered by another part, Consider maybe loosening your surface tolerance. Do you need to have it have a high class A finish if it's not going to be seen? Um, That's something definitely to consider. And then also, if it is going to be seen, what areas of the casting won't be? So you can call out specific areas and that way you're, instead of trying to get the whole casting to look immaculate, you're doing the areas that are most important while still having a great functioning casting without adding that extra cost. Packaging. This is kind of an interesting one because certain customers of ours need the product package differently, right? Some of them send in um, packaging that we use and they send it back. So it's reusable packaging. There's other customers who want each individual product wrapped um, individually so they can send it off to different places. And uh, you wouldn't think about that, but just custom packaging costs dollars. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It is a good point of customers that have returnable dunnage. So something that we they send to us, we pack up their parts and in that dunnage and send it back. So They're not wasting or spending money on the packaging and they're using reusable crates. That's a great way to save on some money there. Yeah. And even the protection factor when we're getting them coated or you're getting a a finished product, you don't want any damage to that, right? So bubble wrapping, making sure each one is protected when it's shipping. um, So there's no reworking after the fact. I would definitely say if you're looking to have custom packaging, make it aware up front. Because typically most places will quote based off of their standard processes internal. So if that's not something that is told up front, that could be unexpected expense at the end, making that a known up front so that that can be included. It's very custom to each individual casting that comes through. So really understanding from your provider of what you're getting. And understanding, you know, metal cost, uh, you know, if there are secondaries, if there is packaging or special packaging. Um, so really just breaking it down and understanding the different processes, uh, the different secondaries that, that really go through there. You're listening to Casting Class, an engineer's guide to manufacturing aluminum castings hosted by Batesville Products. Be on the lookout for our next casting class on the first Wednesday of every month. Until then, you can 
find more resources like videos, written guides, and case studies on our website, batesvilleproducts.com. That's batesvilleproducts.com. See you next month.